Please note our website has changed to riskcommentary.ca. You're listening to the Risk Commentary Podcast. Are you responsible for managing risk but feel frustrated with a confused process? Your host, Edward Robertson, has helped clients not only face uncertainty but also solve chronic business problems by using clear methods with a minimal footprint. Do it right and your people will smile, love the risk process and invite you back. Stay tuned to find out how. This is the Risk Commentary Podcast. My name is Edward Robertson, and this is Episode 2, Enterprise Risk Management Busting Myths. You know, last time we discussed some very important questions with respect to enterprise risk management. For example, why is there such a strange juxtaposition between the obvious need for ERM and the stagnation of methods and results that have been showing up in the surveys? And related to that, why is ERM so incredibly convoluted and seemingly complex? Why is there not better take-up? Well, we started to answer the questions uh, by explaining that there's been a proliferation of advice, um, quite naturally developing people in the industry taking up the, the task and leading to really a confusion of foundational definitions, not to mention a whole sort of kaleidoscope of different practices and methods that were introduced into the discourse on enterprise risk management. Well, I think we can take a closer look at this by examining uh, a series of what I take to be misconceptions that I've observed over the years. So what I want to do is introduce each myth and then explain why I think it's a misconception and to give you uh, maybe one or two examples and explain what the significance is, why it's important to understand that you know this is a wrong idea, and then give you the positive takeaway, give you the the thing that you need to remember to apply this principle in your own risk management practice. So let's get started. Well, the first myth is that enterprise risk management is one thing. No, I think it's quite easy to demonstrate that enterprise risk management is not one thing. Uh, In fact, it really depends on the interpretation that is given it uh, to inform the implementation. Um, you get the impression, perhaps unconsciously, that it is one thing when you look at uh, the word enterprise, the term enterprise risk management, let's say, for courses, uh, in textbooks, in articles, and so on. And, you know, you tend to sort of assume after a while that everyone is talking about the same thing. But because of that proliferation of, of advice that I was referring to earlier, we can see that each implementation actually takes on its own character so that Uh, After a while, you're not even sure that people are really comparing apples to apples. In fact, in one article that I found, the author had identified 80 different frameworks and associated definitions of enterprise risk management. So you can see the kind of uh, fragmentation that has occurred. So what is the takeaway from this point? I think the lesson is that when we select or even invent the definition of enterprise risk management to inform the implementation in the organization, it has to fulfill certain things. First of all, it has to suit the character of your business and your organizational culture. Secondly, you have to be sure that everyone understands uh, exactly the same thing by the terms that are used and that they don't have different associations to the definition. And the third thing is, 
it has to be detailed enough or specific enough to inform exactly how you're going to go about doing things. You know, I've seen quite a few definitions of ERM that seem good on the surface, but when you look at them closely and sort of think how they might be operationalized, you realize that they're really just too vague. So, of course, I do have definitions which I propose and I can defend at length, and uh, we'll get there. But right now, it's sort of too early to go there. I just wanted to alert you to the fact that ERM is not one thing, and it really hinges on the definition and the interpretation that you assign to it. The next myth that we want to address, myth number two, is international standards, for example, ISO 31000, COSO, and so on, give ERM implementation guidance. Well, that's a reasonable assumption, and that's what I thought too. Um, I thought that you could get really uh, close advice on how to roll out your program by going to these international standards. If you take one of these standards, and maybe you've had this experience, and try to slavishly copy the steps one by one, very quickly you find out that you actually have to interpret the standard to be able to apply it to your business. So there's sort of a hierarchy in uh, the regulatory framework, and at the top level you've got the standards, then you've got, let's say, a policy that you develop that is suited to your organization that it draws from or is based on the standard, and then the next level would be uh, specific guidance, tools, templates, and um, specific implementation. I'll give you one example. One time, uh, you're familiar with the steps in the risk management process, right? Establish context, uh, identify risk, assess risk, and so on. Well, I wanted to become much better informed on specifically how to roll out IT security risk. And I saw on one of the uh, one of the big standards uh, website that they had a document addressing IT security risk. So I actually paid for this document, and then I went in to read it thinking I was going to find out all about the special categories of analysis for IT security. And what did it say? Establish context identify risk, assess risk, exactly like the parent document. So I have to bring to the table all of the special knowledge on IT security to be able to do a risk assessment in that domain. So what is the positive takeaway on this myth number two with respect to international standards? It's simply to recognize that they are good to select, uh, making sure that you select something that suits the character, the business of your organization, and to regard it as a repository for uh, general advice, that is, the steps in the risk management process, and perhaps the definition of terms and vocabulary. That way, um, you can have something to serve as a bedrock for your implementation with the recognition that you have to interpret that document to be able to translate it into something that's going to be operationalized in your organization. The next myth that we want to address is number three, ERM is unproven. And I think this is probably the attitude of many people, let's say at the board level or C-suite level, who are contemplating implementing enterprise risk management, but they regard the whole thing as uh, too undefined, uh, not really well proven in the sense of uh, specific results following on uh, an authoritative definition and so on. And yet, I characterize that statement, ERM is unproven, as a myth or a misconception because there are undoubtedly successful examples of ERM, and it does make intuitive sense to manage uncertainty for the entire organization from the strategic right down to operational levels. The difficulty is that we can't find the successful examples through one authoritative channel. And again, it will be a question of, well, which version of ERM are we talking about? 
So I struggled with this question too. So in the early years when I was working in the Ministry of Finance, we were implementing enterprise risk management. And in one meeting with the deputy minister, we complained that we couldn't find case studies that would really guide and inform our implementation. And he said, you know what, at the end of the day, we're just going to have to create our own case studies. And I think he was right on. So that is really my takeaway for this point. Once having decided on some definition of enterprise risk management that suits the character of your organization, then the best proof is the proof that you and your team demonstrate on a step-by-step incremental basis to establish the value of the process. Let's move on then to the next myth, which is number four, ERM imposes an unacceptable administrative burden. Well, this is a common objection, and I do understand the sentiment that people don't want to have an extra layer of work imposed upon their already busy lives, but I do characterize it as a misconception or a myth, and I'll tell you why. First of all, people don't quite realize that, according to studies, fully one-third of meeting times are wasted. Now, judging from experience in both public and private sectors, I would estimate that the amount of wasted time in meetings to be much higher than one-third, maybe as much as 50% or 60%. And why is that? It's because the meetings um, are not well-structured and they're not well-facilitated. And I'm talking about whether it's regular stand-ups or project meetings or the weekly or monthly department meeting and so on. But here's the interesting potential with risk management. Of course, it takes some initial work to build the risk register. But once you've got it built, then what you've got is a very powerful tool. You've got all of the crucial issues that you have to manage in this uh, particular context, whether it's the project or your your department business or whatever, ranked by consensus with uh, items of mitigation set out. And if it's, if it's done right initially, then it's comprehensive. It really is um, giving you a much better view of the business and an efficient way to manage it. This is much better than an ad hoc, circuitous discussion. So my takeaway for this point is that ERM seems to impose an unacceptable administrative burden, but that depends entirely on the nature of your risk ID and assessment process. If it's a really good one, a sharp one, and you develop a comprehensive and insightful risk register, then you can run meetings more efficiently. But not only that, you give people confidence that they're managing in a structured way the uncertainty that is impinging on their business. Myth number five, ERM is the purview of audit and finance. In practice, it is the audit function that takes charge of enterprise risk management. But conceptually, consider this. It's just as the uh, risk manager for Hydro One years ago stated at a conference, we don't want audit checking on the things that it has its fingerprints all over. In other words, if audit actually conducts risk assessment and then on the other hand goes and audits the risk assessment process for the whole organization, Um, Are they not sort of losing their impartiality? So there may be a way to manage around that. But strictly speaking, we want audit to maintain its impartiality. Now, similarly with financial risk, it's often the case that enterprise risk management is construed to be primarily or even solely financial risk management. And yet I would say that's a misconception. Do we not want finance to be subsumed under the ERM umbrella so that it can be taking into account corporate vision, the mission, the strategy and values instead of being isolated? 
And if you want evidence for that sort of view, uh, consider the many cases where companies who had really good finances and maybe their insurance portfolios were all up to scratch and everything was good, but they failed to identify strategic risk in the form of perhaps other companies destroying their markets or technology changing. So our takeaway for this point is that enterprise risk management is the umbrella function, which really subsumes all the other risk management disciplines and really should not be uh, governed or overly influenced by one or another pre-existing risk management practice. Myth number six, all the various pre-existing risk disciplines and practices will be replaced by ERM. And here we see uh, people being concerned. Let's say they're involved in IT security or uh, environmental audit or uh, health and safety, some sort of established risk management discipline where they have their own certifications and methods and so on. They feel that it's going to be replaced by some uh, mysterious ERM methodology, whereas it's not the case at all. Rather, what we do, and here's the takeaway for this point, is subsume all of these various practices under one under one umbrella. But how do we do that? Not through a, a uniformity of methods, but rather by making sure that everyone is supporting the same strategic and operational goals, objectives, and corporate values. And this is an important point because often these various subdisciplines are sort of pursuing their own agenda. And this is the way we can uh, do proceed with enterprise risk management with a minimal disruption and yet unify everyone's practice so that everyone is reporting on uh, the risk profile that is pertinent to the uh, strategic aim. So I think the classic example of a department where uh, risk management needs to be integrated with the enterprise view is uh, IT. In the past, I think IT departments, you know, were prone to sort of run off in their own direction, and I think that has largely changed, whereby they uh, focus on core business. Um, But still, it's going to be uh, taking some effort on the part of uh, risk champions to go in and establish a dialogue with the IT folks, understand what their enterprise architecture is all about, what their enterprise plans are, um, their standards, their plans for total cost of ownership and life cycles, uh, and so on, so that they can come to agreement on the categories of analysis that are applied to the IT risk assessment in support of the strategic direction. Well, we've reached the, almost the halfway mark in our long list of enterprise risk management myths to be exploded. We'll do one more and then save the rest for the next podcast episode. Thank you for listening, and let's now consider myth number seven. Myth number seven, managers in all verticals can reasonably be asked to conduct risk assessment. I think this was the unfair expectation that was imposed on managers in all kinds of different industries where the people were simply not experts in risk management methodology. And so the result was ad hoc and informal methods that led to bad results. So what is our takeaway here? Above all, don't let people manage risk by having vague, unstructured discussions. Try to lead them and train them in a high-quality risk assessment process. And we will get into what that's all about. Thank you for listening. Please note our website has changed to riskcommentary.ca. Visit today for episode transcripts as well as books and online courses. That's riskcommentary.ca.